All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of West Coast Street Knowledge. I'm your host, Gil, a.k.a. The American Cholo. I got my co-host, Sunny, in the house. How you guys doing? My next guest runs Overbrook Entertainment and Westbrook Studios. They have produced films such as The Karate Kid, After Earth, and Bad Boys for Life, to name a few. He comes from Hollywood royalty, being the younger brother of Jada Pinkett and brother-in-law of Will Smith, Mr. Caleb Pinkett. How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm good. Good. So, so um, let's just uh, kind of introduce people to you. Um, everybody kind of knows, well, not everybody, but they, they hear Pinkett, they know that's your sister, right? But there's a whole story before that actually came into your life. So where were you born? <laughs> I was born in Fullerton, California. Yeah. St. Jude Hospital. And, um, yeah, just my, my, I moved, I grew up in Fullerton till I was about probably four years old. And then we moved to Moreno Valley. Well, it was actually Sunnymead at the time. And uh, from that time until I moved to L.A. when I was 20, I lived in Moreno Valley and uh, grew up with in an entirely Mexican neighborhood. So I have a very specific upbringing that was a little different than most. Okay. And what, what year was this you were born? Oh, I was born in 1980. Okay, 1980. So father around when you were a kid? What kind nah. of family did you come with? No, it was just me, my mom, and my oldest sister. Because Jada and I have the same father, different mothers. Right. So um, I, my mother raised me and my oldest sister in Moreno Valley. And what, what kind of what kind of kid were you? Were you a student? Bobby were you Essel. acting a fool? Talk to me. Bobby Essel. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, yeah, you know, I was a typical kid. Like I was good, good-ish. You know, I didn't want to get beat. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? By my mom, who was a strict disciplinarian. But, you know, I was I enjoyed um, being outside because see, at the time in this day and age, kids don't go outside at all. They don't. I lived outside. Like, you know, I would as soon as I got up in the morning, I would be out and not come home till streetlights. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. And you're doing everything like riding bikes, playing football, going to the park, going over here, like walking the neighborhoods, doing so much stuff that kids nowadays don't do like at all. They don't even like to go outside. It's crazy. Yeah, they, they ride the bike on the on the Xbox. They don't ride the bike. <laughs> on the, right? Yeah. <laughs> so high school, uh, what kind of kid were you in high school? I was I was a good kid in high school. Like I I didn't I always didn't like with me. I never wanted a lot of problems. Like I didn't want to be in like trouble because when you got in trouble, you couldn't do the shit you wanted to right, do. Right. Well, I don't know if I cuss. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> but, but um, yeah, you know, I didn't want to get in trouble and shit. So I I get, did my stuff, but kept it kept it under under wraps pretty much. And how was it for you as far as being an African American man, pretty much or kid growing up with a bunch of Latinos? It it really wasn't no difference to me, like different in the sense where I didn't understand everything my friend David's mom was saying because <laughs> I'm not a, a first language Spanish speaker. But um, all my friends, you know, it was it was just we just flowed together like it wasn't really no big differences. You know what I mean? Like. I just I was just around them. So when you're when you grow up around a certain group of people, you pick up on their ways, their mannerisms, their style. So it becomes less and less foreign till one day it's just who you are. It's natural. You know what I mean? Like I grew up I thought I was Mexican for years. <laughs> I only dated and not serious. Like all my first girlfriends were Mexican. Like, well, you know what I mean? And it was like, you know, I, I didn't even I, I had to know like, no, no, you don't you know, they're girls, because, you know, growing up, I say, hi, no. <laughs> like, so when, you, when you went somewhere, 
And they were like, hey, there's a black guy coming. You're like, where? Where? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like, like, it was, it was, it, I never, I, there was no, I was never treated any differently. There was no lines that were blocked. And um, I'll say like, in the early 90s, that's when not anything within my neighborhood and my friends, but they would, they started talking to me about when I go out to other places, because I was the youngest, right? There were a lot of them way older than me, like some of them were like five, six, eight years older than me. So when I was eight years old, one of my, um, the, one of the guys I looked up to, he was from the neighborhood, his name was Alex. And they called him, they called him Spy. That was his, that was his neighborhood name. But he was my guy. I wanted to be just like Alex. I wanted to dress like Alex and walk like Alex. And I wanted to be able to use Tres Flores like he did. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But that was, that was, that was my guy right there. And um, when, when, when the transition started happening, basically when they were like, hey, there was riots in the Pinta, hey, you know, the, 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 the big homies said, you know, no blacks in our neighborhoods, no blacks can be from the neighborhood, this and that. And Alex was like, well, yeah, yeah, we're not doing all that because you live here. But when you leave this neighborhood, don't, because you grew up and you, you flow with us, mm -mm. you got to watch other neighborhoods because they're not on that, right? And he was like, you know, I care about you. I don't want nothing to happen. And I'll never forget, I had went up to Castle Park, and that's this amusement park in the IE. It's like right in Riverside and Corona. And its location, there's a neighborhood called Casablanca that's over there. There's a neighborhood called Crown Town, the Corona Barrio Locos, they are there. And there's uh, Tiny Dukes, they were from the East Side Rivas. And like, that was like a hot spot. And I'll never forget, I was up there with one of my friends. And of course, talking to a Mexican girl, dude was like, Chango, right? And I'm like, I'm not. I know. I grew up, so I'm like, Chango. What the fuck? I know what that means. I'm like, I'm looking. And then he did the famous essay whistle, and like six dudes. And I was like, damn, they're just looking. Hey, get away from Marissa. Me entiende? I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, yeah, fuck out of here, eh? You know what I mean? And I was like, yo, this shit is real. <laughs> like I had never seen it, you know what I mean? And I'm like, he looked just like my boy Alex. Like, what's the problem? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And but it was just the when the transition began to happen, that is when I started noticing the change. And um, it was it was disheartening for me, like to just not that I was impacted like directly in that way, but just the fact that I was watching the separation of, of, of the two cultures and the, and the two people in a way that wasn't a good thing. Right. And you know, growing up with Mexicans, I had love for the Mexican um, culture and experience, right? And a lot of people don't understand, and I, I'm specific when I say Mexican because Mexican culture is very different than Colombian, Puerto Rican, Dominican, you know, all that stuff. It's like, he, he, it's, it's very specific, especially to Southern California, and so, Growing up that way, I had a lot of love for the community that I now couldn't be as close to because of other situations, you know, so, yeah. Did that take a toll on your friendship with your boys or did you guys ever have to talk about it or how was it? It, it never took a toll on our relationship because they were just my boys and we grew up together. And that's what that's what's so loyal. Like 
I always tell like a lot of my friends, I'm like, but yeah, but if you grow up with, with Mexicans, those dudes that were your friends, they're your friends for life. Like right. the, those dudes, like they're still my homies to this day. They're all adults. Wayo got all kinds of kids, all the stuff, but those are my homies. I grew up with them and I love them like I did when I was a kid. They, I mean, shoot, they taught me everything like like uh how to dress how to walk how to talk just lean you know get in the car lean you gotta lean fool. like <laughs> you know what i'm saying so, so what was uh young caleb uh dressing like back in those days well when i was younger <laughs> i'll never forget <laughs> i wanted a pair of cortez so <laughs> black and white cortez <laughs> that's all i wanted and my mom got me a pair and it was like I was so happy, and I wanted a pair of Cortez and a King's hat, Los Angeles oh, Kings. Right. You know what I mean? And like, like that was the that was my 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 style when I was uh, younger. And I would you know dress like my like the people in my neighborhood, right. especially when I was when I was a kid. You know what I mean? And then um, I just you know I I didn't dress like that as I got older because I it was it was like. I realized that it's that's full gang attire. Yeah, so yeah, if you're on. if you're going to be calling if you're going to be wearing that, you got to be ready to be that because that's yeah. how people are going to address you. Right. You know Especially what I mean? Those Cortez. That's right. But that they were like saying, "I'm from somewhere." But they're still cold. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the most comfortable shoes ever, if you've ever worn. <laughs> the best. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the good thing is nowadays you can you can wear them. Nobody's sweating you. But right. back then, it was a uniform. Man. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think people know how much of a uniform that was back then. Not, nowadays, the gangsters, you can't tell who's a gangster or not. Oh, I remember when they used to tell you, we were walking by, and like, hey, fool, he's wearing Cortez, go hit him up. <laughs> like, really, just because he had the Cortez up? Yeah. When did you leave Moreno Valley? When I, uh, when I turned 20, I graduated high school in 98, and I stayed in Moreno Valley for a couple years, and then I was like, fuck, I got to do something with my life. I got to get the fuck out of here. Right. I'm like, I got friends going to jail. I got other friends. I had a friend that just, you know, got killed and like stuff was just crazy. Reno Valley, people don't know, really Reno Valley's kind of crazy. Like them dudes out there, yeah. So I was like, I need to figure something out. So I said, Well, I'm gonna go to LA and I'm gonna I'm gonna find I'm gonna find a career, I'm gonna figure this out. And so I called I called my sister and I said, Jay, I'm gonna come out for a little bit. And she was like, all right, cool, you can come, but I ain't taking care of no grown-ass men, so you better figure this shit the fuck out. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, was like, I was like, hell yeah, and that's what I did. When, you know? when did you and Jada actually first meet? Oh, I, was, I wasn't even, I can't even remember. I think she came out, my mom said she came out to Fullerton when I was one and a half oh, or wow. two, like when she first, because she would come every, like, every summer, every other summer, like out to hang. And then, then for a few years she didn't. And when she wasn't, I would go to Baltimore and I would, uh, I would see her when I'm in, I would go to Baltimore every summer to go visit my dad, my grandpa and grandma. And then my sister would be there. So, yeah. So you know her from a young age. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. How was, how was, uh, how was your guys' relationship with your dad when you used to go see him? Well, my my sister's relationship was almost non-existent because my dad he didn't he didn't raise us right so because my dad he he was a uh, an addict he had drug and alcohol issues and so the relationship was a little like I went to my grandmother's house my grandma wouldn't let me go to my dad's house he had to come over there to see me mm -hmm. she wouldn't let him take me either she was like mm -mm, right so right. it was a lot of that so it was a kind it was it was a little it was a little strained until I got older. And then once I got older, we were able to, you know, create a relationship and everything. We got to um, at least have that before he passed away. 
Right. So you actually got to see Jada start her career. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, she started doing little uh, small parts. And eventually, when did you notice or when did you find out, man, my sister's a big star? <laughs> when you go to school and, and boys are like, hey, your sister. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, oh, your sister's so fine. Oh, my God. Oh, my, you know, all of that shit. And I'm like. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know what I mean. It was that uh, her role on a different world changed. Every, it definitely, yes. it literally made it a different world for us. Well, definitely for me because people in my city knew that was my sister. She would come to the neighborhood. A lot of my so so a lot of my homeboys, especially Alex, and then they'd be like, "Yo, your sister's feed me canalito." <laughs> <laughs> you know so. So when did you meet uh, Will? Oh, when they started dating, um, I was uh, 11, I think it was in 91, 92, something like that. And I came down, my sister was like, I have, I have somebody I want you to meet, you know, I want you to come down, this and that. And I was like, okay. So I wasn't thinking nothing. I'm sitting on the couch and the Fresh Prince came downstairs. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> That's a good one. the fuck? <laughs> the Fresh Prince? <laughs> Either, did you start doing the Carlton dance? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, yo, oh my God, okay. You know, and there was, and there, there was that, you know. And, you know, people think that, uh, that because you have a, a famous sister, famous brother and all that, how you got to where you're at in life and business-wise, that it was easy, but it was quite the opposite. Well, okay, what people don't understand, okay, there's obvious, there's obvious advantages, of course. Nobody's going to deny that. But what you don't recognize are all the other disadvantages that you that wouldn't be, that's not privy to the information would, would realize. So when people know that you have family, they don't want you to win. They don't want to see because it's like, oh, you too. Oh, God. Right. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Right. People, people have that, that, that issue. And what's, what's really interesting to me is so crazy. If we owned a donut shop and my sister and brother-in-law owned a donut shop and everybody in the family worked there, people would say, you know what? That's great. Yeah. I love that that family does that. That's the American dream. You know what? We should be doing stuff like that. I'm proud of them. Because it's entertainment, it's like, oh, that's so unfair. How you, oh, you suck. You can't, oh, oh, oh. There's so much bile, venom for it, right? right? But if we had a, a, like I said, a donut shop or owned a tile company, it would be, oh my God, that's what you should be doing. You know what I mean? So it's really interesting how people interpret the stuff. But, um, there, there, there's a lot of, you got to work extra hard because like I said, people don't want to see you in. People also don't think you're good at what you do because they think it stuff was just given to you. Right. And the reason why is because they're like, if it was me, I would do it. If that was my brother, of course I put my yeah, brother on. Right? right. So, right. so they're assuming you don't have to be good because your family does it. So you automatically in. And there's also a little upset, like how, I've been doing this 10 years and he comes in and he's my boss. How does that work? Right. right? So there's, there's a lot of drawback to being related to people in power or in powerful positions. Right. You know, so it's not always what you think. I heard the funny story when, when you asked, I think, did you approach Will about, uh, I don't know if it was uh, writing a screenplay or he told you, but, but it's not like he just gave you the keys and say, here, run it. No. <laughs> No, the man, he, okay, so <laughs> I got, I had this idea, right? So I, I pitched him two projects that I wanted to do. 
And the first one I wanted to do was a project that I'm still doing right now. I've just finished a new draft on it. It's taken me this long to get it good. I taught myself how to write on it. How old it, were you when you approached Will? 21. Okay. But the, the project was called Cholo. And it was half my life and half of another person's life. So basically, there's a black kid that's an orphan who gets adopted by a Mexican family and grows up in the neighborhood and, wow. of course, joins, joins the gang and all of that, but falls in love with the daughter of the leader of the rival neighborhood. Okay. And so it's like a Romeo Juliet type West thing. Side. Right. Similar, similar, similar to that. And, and so I pitched him this idea and he was like, wow, I've never seen anything like, wow, that's kind of cool. And he didn't even know about black and Mexican relations and all that sort of stuff. So he was like, wow. I said, no, 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 like a black cholo, there's real, there's black cholos. And it's like far, few and far in between now. But when I grew up, I saw one, there was two from, from, from the neighborhood. And so it was, it was interesting, you know, to pitch him that. And then he tells me, okay, listen, I like that idea. I like your other idea, but you're skinny with a gut. So here's what we're going to do. <laughs> you have to get a six pack or I'm not even talking to you. I'm not even going to talk to you. And I didn't understand what being in shape had to do with anything. But he was like, if you, you know, if you, it's, it's for discipline. So I'm like, fuck. Okay. And I didn't like working out or nothing like that. I, and I had to learn. So it, he just put me on that, on that path, which was great for me at that time. I needed that, that discipline. Cause I was just used to kicking it, doing what I did. You know what I mean? I came back with the 12 pack. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so then you, how long did you train for? Oh my God. It was like at least, it was a uh, eight months, almost a year. Oh wow. It took a minute. Cause I wasn't, I, I had to learn all of that and I had to lose the body fat and get in shape. Like it was, it was crazy, but I, um, I did it. So he was true to the word. He said, if you get, if you don't get a six pack, don't talk to me. Oh, he was dead serious. <laughs> he, he, see the thing about Will is like, he's, 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 uh, he's a great man, but he's honest with what he says. He's direct. There's no meanness on it. He just says, okay, do this or don't, then I'm not going to do this. And then he, and I'll see you. And then he dropped a stack of books on you. Oh God. Yeah. That was the whole other thing. I was like, I have to read too. <laughs> you got no pictures. You know, exactly. Right. I'm like, damn. And you know, but I just, I just started reading and I, I developed a like, well a, well, a love to read. And you know, it, it helped me with a lot of things. I read all kinds of books and things now, but he, it, it's all just started to help develop me as a person. So after you read the book, after you get the six pack, you read all these books, are you the boss now or what are you doing? No, I had to, I was the driver. I was the lowest person on the totem pole. Like, Hey, Take this bag and put it in the car before I whip your ass. He was, a mis he was your Mr. Miyagi. Exactly. Mm -hmm. He taught you things without actually teaching. Absolutely. And then when I had the opportunity, you know you're nobody's boss. Everybody else is your boss. Everybody. So, and it was that way for a few years. And then slowly but surely, I was able to work my way up. I think most people would be really surprised how few people are actually willing to do what it takes to achieve their dreams. And uh, Caleb is one of the rare few that is literally willing to do anything that a mentor tells him to do to achieve his dreams. So what do you guys do at, at, at is it Brook Entertainment? Overbrook and um, Westbrook. Well, Overbrook and Westbrook, what, what exactly do you guys do there when you guys, uh, you guys are a production company, right? Mm -hmm. What does a production company actually do? Well, you um, develop projects and you make 
TV or film or now podcast or using social media things, you know, that sort of thing. But the whole thing is to develop and produce projects. So meaning you bring me a, a project, you want to do a show called American Cholo. And I say, okay, well, what is it? And then you pitch it. And that just means you tell me who the people are, what the basic story is. And I say, oh my God, that's great. Okay, let's hire a writer. So I pay money to a writer to come in and write what you pitched. We get it in a script form, we read it and we say we love it. And then it's like, okay, how do we sell it? Well, let's find the places like the networks that would buy something like this. So you get a Quibi, a Netflix, an Amazon, you know, and then you set up pitch meetings. And then you go in and you pitch them and they read the script. Oh my God, we love it. They, you pitch them, they're like, we want it. They buy it, now it's your job as a producer to make it. That by producing means to make. So, como hacer, it's like, um, you now you're on set and it's your job to make sure that everything happens. You hire the actors, you hire the directors, you you hire everybody that works behind the scenes and you manage everything. So a producer, for the most part, is a people manager. So there's two types of producers. There's financial producers and then there's creative producers. I'm more of a creative producer, meaning I like to be involved with the creation, working the, the, the actors like on set. But other producers don't give a shit about none of that. They just want to make sure the numbers come in right, talk to the studio, we're good, you know, that, that sort of thing, and, and, and move like that. So sometimes it's good to have um, a producing partner, somebody that focuses on the other parts that you don't want to. Is there any time you go to these meetings and they just flat out tell you, hell no, this is a horrible project? Or Absolutely. Well, they'll never tell you that because you're in business. They don't want to offend you, but they'll absolutely pass they'll say oh you know this one's not for us they'll be nice this one's not for us but i really love the characters you know what we have something just like this in development i don't know why i didn't tell you i'm so sorry we're gonna have to pass <laughs> you know they'll come up you know to make it to make it seem nice you know nobody wants to be rude because you know this is a revolving cycle you're gonna see them again they're gonna see you you're gonna be places so you don't you try not to have a contentious relationship with somebody. Is there any is there any projects that you kick, uh, you kick yourself in the butt for that you passed on? <laughs> um, what could I say that we passed on? Oh, actually, we we our company we we passed on a show called Underground that a, a up and coming showrunner named Misha Green created, and it was just about the Underground Railroad, and that one was very interesting because she she. It, it turned out to be a big career changer for, for her. And I remember that project coming across our, our desk and, and we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't take it. Um, there's, been, there's been a few. I could, um, I, I'll have to think of more because there's, there's, there's a lot more, like a couple where I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> now, because you're related to Will Smith and your sister, Jay, are they harsher on you? Of course. Then, then they wouldn't be somebody else. Oh, absolutely. Because, really you, you, right? because you represent them, right? And people already think they gave you everything. So they need to make sure. It's like, <laughs> imagine if, you're, you know, if, if your dad is Michael Jordan, everybody's challenging you to a basketball yes, game. That's right. Oscar De La Hoya is your dad? Let's fight, fool. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> let's get down right now. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, like you just, you, it's double the, the amount of pressure when people know that you're related. So because of that, they were extra on me in order to make sure I could actually do what I was saying I could. Now, with that being said, is there times where you just thought you're over your head? You're like, oh. 
Um, you know what? Not in the business, but in their training of me. Yeah, I was like, God. I was like, do you guys even like me? This shit is fucking jeez. Does does Will get uh, the Matrix now or no? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. He uh, it's so funny. He talks about that. You know, he's talked about it a few times, and you know, he's he's at peace with it now because he says, you know, the movie wouldn't have been what it was without I, if it, you know, if he would have done it. Yeah, yeah. He he passed on that, right? Yeah. He, it was his to his mm-hmm. to play, and he passed on it. He couldn't yeah. get it. That he did. Oh man, that he did. He's, he's got to regret that one for sure. <laughs> so so you know, you um growing up pretty much in a Latino neighborhood, mm-hmm. all that, being an African-American man. What do you see now with all the racial stuff going on here in L.A.? And a lot of people don't see it in other states, but you see it, and I'm sure it, it hits close to your heart. Yeah, the, it's, to me, it's just a bunch of just nonsense. Like, that, the thing that happened with the Elote lady, like, that is just like, come on, man. You know, and the, the, the posting of it is, that's what makes it worst, right? Um, seeing the the real divide on quote unquote race is just it's 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 really sad to me because it's like we try to calm it down and then somebody wants to inject it and try to try to make it worse you know and like like i was seeing the other day there was um some guy had put out you know like uh, i'll pay you 150 dollars oh, yeah. for every black guy you knock out right and stuff you know it's like these stupid things just just keep adding adding fire to something that doesn't need any more um gasoline you know what i mean like at any moment it could it could it could go yeah because of all the past things that have that have happened and i mean you know on 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 both sides and one of the things that was really uh disheartening for me growing up the way that i did when i saw i saw because they're okay there's issues black gangs mexican gangs okay cool but what, and I could be wrong about this, and I'm glad you guys can educate me on this, but it's like, it, I, from my point of view, I saw it that not only is it black gangs we don't like, but fuck black people, right? Like, like a next level. Like, it didn't matter if you were, if Cholos caught you, it didn't matter if you was a gang member or not. You're black. Yeah, but I'm a nerd. I got glasses and I got my backpack and I'm going, they're like, don't matter. So... When I started seeing things like that or hearing of that, I was like, damn, like, like it was like, I was like, damn, they like became like the clan. I'm from the IE, so I would go to Pomona and stuff, and I would see tagging on the wall that said, I'm not gonna yeah, mention yeah, the gang's yeah. name, but killers. Well, it, you know what I mean? Well, I, I say it on the air, but you know, they're like tagged up straight nigger killers. And I'm like, wow. on the wall with an arrow pointing down, like right here. Don't come around here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so, and um, for a lot of um, black people that I knew and was around, it, they didn't have that much venom on it. And it felt like it was just a little bit extra, right? Then I was like, why do they hate us like so? Because I remember one of my friends went to jail and he got out. Um, he did like six and he came out and he was different. Like when we were talking and stuff, you know, he was he was different. We grew up together. He was my friend. But it was like it was different. And I'll never forget. He it was we were we were in that we were at the park, Gateway Park that's behind my mother's house. And we were there chilling. 
And of course, I, I spark a blunt, you know what I'm saying? We're rolling. And when it he was like, I'm not smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Because I hit it. Yeah. I was like, oh. And my, and my other friend Benny was like, what the fuck? What? Well, fuck it then. Ain't give it to me. <laughs> and it's like, but dude, dead serious. Like, you know, and I was like, wow. And then later he started, when he had, you know, a couple pistols in him, he started explaining. He was like, it's just when you're locked up, hey, you know, it's like, you can't talk to me. They can't be around. If you, if you touch me, I have to do this. Like, I'm like... Wow! So it, it reminded me of what my mom told me. My mother was born in Oxford, Georgia, in 1947. So that could explain to you what she she was like. They white. It was like if you touch something black, like and and I was like, dang, Mexicans are doing that to us. Like, jeez, like it's that deep. Like, yep. And so it it, it really impacted me because I was like. God, like, like, whoa, man, like that. It just, it just felt really far. So, you know, it was one of the, it was one of the most, you know, one of the parts that was that really impacted me the most. That I, you know, was, I, you know, was hoping there could be a change to that because I understand, you know, but it was, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy. Like dudes was telling me, you know, I was like, but why would it be that way? He said, because black guys don't take showers. I said, I said, what? No, he did. I was like, I don't take. He's like, no, it's just in the in the pinta, in the pinta. I'm like, okay. I'm let like, me, let me explain. Those rules are set for for at least chance of a war jumping off. So ah. they have their set of rules. We have our set of rules, and we don't intermingle. So it's less of a chance of a war jumping off. That's really what it is. But you know, you said you seen it on the wall, the N word. I've seen M-word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. The same exact same thing. It's always one group will say one thing, but they don't see the other side of it. Mm-hmm. It's always, you know, like there was a little girl who got killed in Long Beach. She was black. Yes. Okay, everybody knows about that. Not too long ago, a uh, black gang ran up into a taco truck and killed a couple people. Mm. Same thing. Mm-hmm. So there, there's idiots on both sides. Mm-hmm. And, um, the 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 not smoking is basically the the farther you stay away from us, the less chance we have. Of yeah, but but but, but it, it, I understand it did start off as far as stay in your separate place, yeah. prison. But the Latinos definitely took it to a different level. I can I can I can attest to that because after years, a lot of guys come out racist straight mm-hmm. up. I had yeah. I had I had a buddy of mine. He went in and he was. Like kind of like your friend, let's say, mm-hmm. we grew up around a, a few black people. No, no, he never seemed racist whatsoever. He went into about f- uh, five to seven years. When he got out, I forgot where we were going, and he says, "Oh fuck that nigger." I'm like, and I was like, "Well, what the fuck, dude?" Was, was... he came out? I mean, just on mm-hmm. a straight racial tip, and uh, it took him a few years to shake it off. I, mm-hmm. I think they're stuck in that box and, and they do. They I, I want to say the essays do come out more racial. Well, you want to, at the same time, like like me, I, I'm bigger. So when racial tension would pop off, I was always the one to say, leave your stuff with your homies because you're the first one going in. I walk in, there's times I didn't even get in the door and they were already rushing me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I had some animosity towards the blacks, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, they're rushing me? All right. So it, you, you learn, you learn it, but at the same time, we got to unlearn it. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because there, there is people that I grew up with that I actually got a, a black cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, she's my cousin. Mm-hmm. She's black, but that's my cousin. I haven't seen her in years, but we have to learn not to be like that. Just yeah. like we learned to be like, be like that, that in prison. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's definitely on both sides. I'm not going to say it's not because I've seen black gangsters that carry that a lot like like fuck them essays fuck them oh like, yes. Yeah, like, yes like big yeah. time and even further and they t- they take it further because it's not fuck essays they'll say fuck mexicans yeah. Yeah. and that's when it's like so now this little girl fuck her too she's right. five right like like you know what i mean yeah, like like like, like it it takes it, it it elevates it which i think is where is where the issue comes in it's like you know like Back in the day, you didn't you didn't assault people with they're with their family. Okay, you with your mom, you with the kid. No, not mm-hmm. right now. Right, that kind of thing. Then it got to we don't give a fuck who you with. Well, it started it started with the gangs, right? And it went racial, right? Yes, that's right. exactly what happened. It started with the gangs too. A black and a Mexican gang get into it, and yeah, they're gonna call each other names mm-hmm. because that's what we do. do. Even Absolutely. a brown one, I'm gonna disrespect them by calling them different names. But Atlanta being racial, Atlanta right? Getting to be really racial. Yeah, but when yeah. You're, the thing is, when you're a kid like you, you grew up with Latinos, Mexicans. You didn't see color, and those guys that grew up with you, they didn't yeah. see color. We learned that from in prison. Jails. We brought it out. They learned it in prison. They brought it out here, and they started teaching their little brothers, their little cousins, to start hating one another. And that's hopefully one thing that we can start to try to unravel and, and show. Hey, man, we can all get along. We're not. We're not going to be the best friends in the world, but. Absolutely. There can just be a mutual respect. And here's here's what's real crazy is that I had friends in my neighborhood that were darker than me. <laughs> Mexicans that darker than me. My homeboy Sapos. Shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like darker than me. And um it's 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 real, you know, it's it's interesting because here's here's what the big t- to me, I'm like we're both sides are fighting over nothing. Like we don't own nothing really, you know, and it's and it's funny because it's like we fight amongst each other for nothing that just puts us, keep us in the same system to keep going back and forth to prison. Prisons are privately owned for the most part. So if I'm rich and I own a prison, I want to put a mayor and a governor in office who's going to put laws down that's going to keep when you decide fuck that mayate and he says fuck that mexican and you kill each other that i make money off of both of you dumb motherfuckers for a long time problem yes sir that we're fighting for nothing and a lot of people don't look at it like this is we're winning nothing nothing nobody's winning at this no nobody's getting extra ground nothing nobody's winning so we're fighting for something and Nobody getting anything out of it but time. Right. And it's like, you know, I mean, I get it. You, that The whole thing is, is respeto. Okay. Okay. Yo entiendo, pero... Mm. <laughs> yeah, but I think we, we, we came from an era that that was normal, that was the regular thing, and nobody was there to kind of have these conversations and say, hey, dude, that life's going to destroy you. And now it's like we're pushing the fast forward button. We're from 1980. We're in 2020 already. And look at all the guys that were the respected guys, the gangster guys. Most of those guys are on drugs. Some of those guys are are homeless. I mean, just uh, the ramification of that lifestyle, dude. It's it's just destroying both of our races and communities, and it's continuing to. And I think you know the more that we can have these conversations, but also bridge these gaps, the the better our neighborhoods can be. Because what you want 
you want a peaceful neighborhood so your kids can get to school yes. easily so they can Absolutely. learn better so now they can get a better job and not worried about they're not paying attention in class because they're sharpening a pencil because they're worried about <laughs> these dudes you know what I mean or their walk home they got to go through three different neighborhoods and this is you know like all of that kind of stuff it, it really just hurts us because the only way to remedy all of this stuff is through education yeah. the same way that the gangs figured out hmm they were smart enough to say, if I combine everybody, we do uh -huh. this, we do that. Everybody has to come here. So if we control here, we can control out there. Like, as smart as that was, I call it wicked wisdom because it's, <laughs> it's, it's evil, but shit, it's fucking brilliant, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's like, like if, what if we did that in reverse? where we try to do the right things for if we help, if we make school cool. Because school was yeah. never cool for us. When I grew up, it was like, ah, fuck that shit, hey, we're ditching. We got a ditch party. We're doing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like it was always that school was never a cool thing. But as you get older, you see how important not so much school, but education is, right? Yeah. Because education changes everything. It's really hard to hate when you know better. It's different when you don't. If, if you grow up thinking that you're a different race than somebody else, it subhumanizes them to a degree. Because it's like, fuck them, right? I can hurt them. They're not us. Fuck them, right? But if you, if you grow up thinking that white people are just all evil, uh, black people are just stupid, Mexicans are just whatever, it, it, it allows you to do things to them with less... Um, empathy. empathy, but also regret because because it's like that's not your homeboy. Now, if that's if you did if the same thing that you just did to somebody, somebody did to your friend, you'd be devastated. But for because it's them, fuck it. Like that is those things have to be untaught. Like because the, the, that's the stuff that continues to fuel it. In its like, and I heard you talking the other day about how hip hop and its influence on on Latinos, right? Yeah. And it was funny because you were like, these dudes are wearing skinny jeans, <laughs> and my homeboys they used to rock Ben Davis. I'm talking, they would have a 20 inch waist with size 54. You know what I'm saying? Perfectly creased yeah, yeah. <laughs> right here with the with the name with, with the belt buckle with the letters, letters on it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's that that's that's what it was, and. And now the, the, the change. So I agree with you when I think that a lot of artists, hip hop artists, have the abilities to put things out that can help ease tensions yes. as yes. opposed to creating more. Because what they don't believe is how powerful they are. Yes. Right. Like regardless if you're Drake, like the biggest selling rapper, you having 100,000 followers is power, yes. right? You can, you have a voice that can get 100,000 people to listen to. That's very, yes. that's strong, right? So it's like when you, and, and most people in business, you know, they, they're trying to just get paid. They'll put, do whatever to be to be rich. As you see, you know, you saw, I told you, I saw you talking about 6ix9ine the other day. It's like, yeah. uh, he's making a killing off of snitching, which my generation, it just can't, I just can't, I, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it's different now, and I'll let them have it. But, but what I'm saying is that 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 platform, um, I think there needs to be more responsibility shown for the things that you that you put out, things that could be, you know, disrespectful to 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 anybody. And what's crazy is, and I always say this, 
the, the majority of the hip hop artists are more disrespectful and demeaning to their own ethnicity yeah. Yeah. than anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? So, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's an issue that I believe can be remedied, but I think only through education. Yeah. Some of those guys that I felt that way, they need to step up that, especially out here in uh, Los Angeles, <laughs> those guys should speak up as, Hey man, you know, be a voice. Mm -hmm. But an another thing that I would want to ask you is like, when we speak up, the first thing that people want to divert, not that everybody, but a few people, oh, you guys are just crying. Oh, you guys are this. It's like with that blue face song. Mm -hmm. I go, I don't go at it, but I speak with guys on comment section. I'm like, brother, you're not going to sit here and tell me it's not disrespectful. This is my feeling. I'm trying to express to you my feeling that this is being disrespectful to my culture. And you're going to keep telling me, no, it's not. And that's how I put that, that black face. No, it's, it's, it, it was brilliant. When I saw it, I was like, oh, that's what made me I say, okay, Shay, you got to call this. I need to find him. Right? Because it was, it was, even when you told me about the significance of the mariachi outfit, right? I was like, wow. I didn't think of it in, like, I didn't think, I didn't think it was disrespectful that for um, YG to wear a mariachi suit. He was in red because he's a right. blood and all that. I was like, okay, you got a little flavor. Okay, okay. Kicking it with the essays and Compton. Right. I get it. I grew up that way. I get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But when you were like, no, 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 no. The significance of what that, of the, what the mariachi means and that outfit and this thing, like that's not how you show respect to it. Right. And I was like, that's deep. I said, okay, I get it. I was like, that's why the Mexican crowd gets so angry when Floyd would come out with his sombrero yeah, and his yeah, yeah, to go yeah. fight a Mexican oh, boxer and then, and then just be in there dodging the whole time. <laughs> like, can yellow fucking hit him? Yeah, hit yeah. Him. <laughs> and he's like, I'm trying. What the fuck? Yeah, we were but, talking about that. We said, at, least, at least Floyd put his money where his mouth is. He puts but, it on. He's gonna go but, but he did it to do that because yes, he yes. knows what he's, it is, right? His whole point. Right, right. Absolutely. So, so master at that, genius, yeah, yeah, at that marketing genius. Of his mentality Absolutely. Awesome. But again, when I realized that when you brought that to my attention, I said, okay, I, I, I get that even though I didn't believe he necessarily yeah, was no. being disrespectful as I definitely agree on the blue face record that that was, that was, that was, to me, that was big. It was disrespectful in the way that he was doing it. Cause it wasn't in a sense of respect. It was in a sense of like almost making fun of yes yes right absolutely. and that i think when you do those things that's when that's when there's a problem because you can feel when somebody is respecting you and you can feel when it's when they're not even and though they can just adds to the fire as it is right that just adds more to the fire yes i think it's also the the youth is so intertwined the latino youth they're all intertwined with the culture with the african-american mm -hmm. culture straight up so they kind of see it some of the young guys Oh, and it's not being disrespectful. They're paying homage. I'm like, they're not paying homage, brother. You're gonna turn older one day, and you're gonna look at it and say, "Oh man, these guys are being disrespectful." Yeah. And YG, no, I don't think YG for one second came out there thinking blueface. I think blueface kind of disrespects his own life. I mean, he puts mm -hmm. all kind of stuff out there. He's kind of an ignorant guy, mm -hmm. but uh, it, it's it's disrespectful. And to me, it's just when we say this stuff, guys, we're not looking for a fight. We're looking for a conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that um, I like I like with the lot lady with all stuff like that. If you were to put a black lady. And a Hispanic kid did that. That's the way they need to look at it. That's how we felt. The truth that's is, that's how you would have felt. That shit would have been on CNN. Yeah. Yes. And I, like, 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 I have to to be honest. The the because of 
It's so crazy because it's all past stuff. Because of the struggles that everybody knows black people have suffered in America, at this point in time, it's like a big light is shined on anything that happens with black people yes. and less to anybody else, right? So, and that's, that's a, you know, I guess that's a good thing for black people like that. Now you're seeing it. I mean, but at the same time, there's the, the, Latin, the Mexican culture in Los Angeles has been here longer, but hasn't had the exposure that the black culture has for one being so overtly outspoken about it, yes. right? You got Martin Luther King, you got people yes. doing those things. And then also through the influence of music and sports. Yes, I'm sir. telling you, it, it does something yes, different. Sir. Like you got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, all sitting having a press conference about how black people are treated. People are gonna notice, yes, yes, yes. right? And 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 it's the it's the same thing because the African American culture it's so crazy and I I tell people this all the time. Black people control what's hot in the world. Yes. If you want anything to sell. Tell a black rapper to put it in his video. Yeah. Black people tell you what clothes to wear, what jewelry to wear, what cars to drive, what women are attractive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they put them next to him in the video. You're like, oh, my God, I got to have one that look like that. Oh, my God. Right. It's like like it, it's 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 what people consume. So naturally, you could be the smallest group of people, but the biggest reach. Yeah. So. It's it, it, the, the young um, Latinos, especially Mexican Latinos in, in L.A., if they're tuning into YouTube, if they like YG, if they want to hear Kendrick or Drake, and they're going to be in, slammed with black culture. Even, even, even in the early 80s, I mean, uh, mid, to, um, uh, mid to late 80s when N.W.A. came out, like Eazy-E and N.W.A. changed. I remember all my homeboys, N.W.A. was deep. Only thing like they did that was the music yeah. and the same thing when death row came in Snoop Snoop's first what like everybody I knew that was it's like so so the black culture was the closest thing that Mexican street culture could relate to even yeah. though they're not speaking in Spanish that shit we relate to you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. like we we, we, we that. exactly because we're in the same neighborhood yeah. you know even you put it on one of your things, the intro to Gangsta Gangsta. Hey, look at those pinchy black gangsters. What are you up to again, eh? Right? Right? Like, like that, that, that whole thing. You know, it's like it, it was intertwined, you know, and, and, it's, and it's going to be that way. In, I honestly think it's going to be that way forever in Southern California, in the Southern states, especially in L.A. It, it's like, and it was funny. A lot of the black artists that we were talking about, like Brenton Wood and them, they wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for Mexicans. Yeah, <laughs> black people awesome. don't be at those costumes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like all the old school artists. Like, we're the one that blew them up. You go see Roger and Zap. You go see One Way. You go see these. And all Mexicans. Like, they're there for that. That's yes, their, sir. That's yes, the sir. music, right? And, and so, you know, I think that influence stays. Um, you know, I, I think I think it really does. The 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 media presence, the just the power of sports and and music changes a lot. Yeah, no, the the African American community, they have the political machine, the wheel moving. Right. Real real tough. The only thing that I that I um, that I disagree on a lot is, um, a lot of times when something happens, they will never. It, they, it's hard to critique mm -hmm. African Americans because mm -hmm. off the back they'll say, "Oh, you're." It's true. You're being racist. You're mm -hmm. being this. So anytime we try to critique anything or say anything, 
they'll say that's the go-to. And I think that's a disservice to them. Of course. To sit there every time and say, oh, my kid was a good kid. My kid, okay, you know what? Like that Georgia issue, right? That that gentleman should have died. He, Not like that. No, no he, he no, yeah, died. no, he, he that shit look horrific. He, he, he shouldn't have died, but I think it would have been a, a a better message saying, you know what? Yeah, he may have been breaking into that house, but he doesn't deserve to get killed. Right. To break into the house. Yeah, we we tried to express that, and it, it like flipped on us. But they were like, "Hey, you know what? You guys are doing bigger." No, you know what? We're just saying there was two wrongs, and it didn't make a right. That's the right. Poor kid died. That's right. That kid shouldn't have passed the way he did. We, whether he stole something, he didn't steal something, he was in something he shouldn't have been. Right. And and we had these two white guys who took advantage of it. Right. Yeah, that was it's it's crazy. But to to answer your your question, I mean, well, we'll to piggyback off of what you said, that is it it is true. Like it's the same it's 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 the same thing that happened. So a few weeks ago, there was a they had there was a funeral in New York, and the mayor Bill Belazio Bilazio says, you know, I gotta ask our Jewish people to not congregate and. He was an anti because he said because he dare speak of anything right because of what their history has been. It's almost you you can't even say it. You can't even say Jew. You can't you you got to be like um the people that are from Israel because if you don't you're it's like you are you might as well be Hitler yourself right. And black people are getting get start to use and get that sort of thing. So if you speak out on anything again, oh, you're just racist. And especially if you're a Mexican, because then they say, oh, we know how you guys feel about us. Right. Well, my thing is, I feel if we critique you, they will. And they blatantly said it in their comments. It's not all blacks. I I don't want anybody to think it's. It's across the board. There's no, no all of anybody. Certain, certain individuals will say, well, we can't be racist because we're black. <laughs> <laughs> Let me and tell you something. That's the most ignorant thing it's, you can say. Here we go. Let me tell you something right now. The most racist people in the world are old black people. Yes, sir. And, and, <laughs> and black people, we're racist in a way that we don't even pay attention to. Yeah. Right? So I'll give you an example. So... You go to, so there's a, a pickup game. They're playing basketball. Somebody be like, oh, you got the white boy. E- immediately, it's the white boy. And the idea is he can't play because he's white. Not literally he can't play like we're not going to let him. Meaning he's not going to be any good because he's not black. And we're the best. Right. It, it carries that sort of connotation with it. Everything is based on what somebody else is in comparison in comparison to us. You know what I mean? And it's one of the things that I've always said is that black people fear black people more than anybody else. Yes. Another black man is another black man's biggest fear. And I'll give you an example. So uh, uh, you could a black guy could date a girl. And he could be like, she has a new boyfriend. And he's like, oh, she left me for this dude. And he sees it, and it's a white guy. It's an Asian. Somebody, he's like, oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, but if it's another black dude, immediately it's like, who? Right? Like, like, it's like full on, right? And it's because of, and it's from slavery that we were pitted against one another. And I really believe when you do those things for generation to generation, it kind of gets ingrained. It's, it's like the gazelle doesn't have to be taught to run from a cheetah. Right. It's just in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think, I think some of that is, is, is based in those sorts of things and how 
we as black people relate to one another. Like we're, we live in fear of each other more than anybody else. And that's a, it's a real sad thing because that's what keeps us from being able to come together to even deal with situations. You know, like if something was happening in the Mexican community, there could be calls that are made to certain individuals who could shut a city down yes, like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Tell this person to give me a call. <gasps> Ooh, he said, give me a call. You know what that means? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like it, and it's done. It's done. We, black people, we don't have that kind of structure. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 it's a little bit more difficult to reach out. But when you have somebody with a big reach, like an artist that's popular that people listen to now because he puts out a record and says this or he drops an Instagram thing and says this, it makes people pay attention. So I think that's that way is sort of how we can as as black people reach more of ours to try to get things in line to help out. What do you what do you think? Uh, none of those guys that have those platforms are speaking up on it. Cause man, you rather make money. That's why you didn't enjoy this though. Our, our people ain't even. No, our people, yeah. But... Well, it, one, okay, honestly, the truth is, you know, half of people don't even give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like Straight when up. it, like, like, like it's I'm not. In, it's not affecting me. Up, huh? I'm, I don't give a shit. I didn't even see that post. Damn, somebody beat up an old Mexican lady. That's fucked up. But anyway, let me get this hundred grand, and um, I'm a, you know, like, like, it's not that they don't care. It's just that's just it's so they're so disconnected and. It goes for everybody. So like like the 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 idea of somebody using a platform to talk about something that's controversial and they may not be educated about it. They may you know, it's just whatever their reasons are, there's a lot of things that go into why as to why somebody would speak or not. But I really think a lot of it is just why? Like I'm cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people re there's a real me generation with with social media because it's 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 focused on you so much likes my likes my things these posts it creates a big me generation now you have to care about you you have to right you of course you need to care about yourself because if you don't care about you you can't care about others but there's a there's a level of fully engrossed in myself and I don't care what happens to other people for the most part unless I know them you or know. it happens to me directly um, there, there's been a big difference from the eighties mm -hmm. to now. And the one thing I did see, um, what there was other blacks reaching out, Hey, stop this, mm -hmm. stop it, stop doing, we're not about that. That's right. And that was such in the little beat up, they beat up the guy. It was nothing big. It was nothing to me. It was like, Oh, slap them all away. It was the, the. The, the, the action uh -huh. that itself yeah that made me respect them that's right it was that little action even though it wasn't a lot just that little bit of action saying i don't want this to happen no more stop it mm -hmm. was huge and that didn't happen back in the 80s no it wouldn't no, no no that no, stuff no. like this, this is new and a lot of people these youngsters don't understand that back in the day you want to check your own over something like this right and now they're, they're starting to check their own thing. Hey, stop it. And I, and I think that's a good thing. And that's respect. Yeah, 1,000%. But it's like, it's, it's almost like respect for yourself. Yes, it shows respect to, to um, the, the Mexicans in L.A., but 
you got to respect yourself more as a man. Yes. Like, if anything, okay, well, go slap that dude over there and take his elote, right? right. Where are you going to take? You know this lady can't defend herself. And, you know, you know she can't go to the police right. for obvious yeah. reasons. Right. So it's like, it's, it's, it's really, it, that's why it would level itself to have to check somebody in that, in that manner. You know what I mean? Of course, we never advocate violence or anything like no. that. But at the same time, it's funny. I don't advocate violence, but I think every now and then, if your kid has got a line, you need to whoop their ass. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? I mean, my mom, she had this thing. She could, my mom, I swear, she could flick, and you would think she was Mexican the way she could throw a chancla. Boy, my mom would grasp. My mom, my mom be like. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. So, so at times there needs to be a little just to wake you up, you know, to to understand. But at, but but I do believe it's more of a respect for yourself. Like, be if you're gonna be gangster, be be a real gangster. Yeah. Like, handle that. Go after somebody's gangster. There it is, right? Like, like don't 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 abuse her. Give her a tip. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think, and I'm gonna ask you. Uh, after Six Nine came out, he put that big. I don't know if it's a poster or what on the building. The king is back. Mm -hmm. To me, that's almost like the sign of the apocalypse of the gang code, man. The G code. <laughs> to me, the G code's dead, man. Oh, what do you think, man? Of course. Like, once people saw that in less than a week, Takaji made $2 million, shit. Anyway, look, let me tell you something. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, they want, uh, hold up. The police want to know where to come pick you up at. They caught us. No, we caught. No, 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 no. Stop hiding. That's my friend Craig. He always hiding. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like you, it's it's so different. And here's the truth. His audience doesn't care. His audience aren't gang members. No, gang gang bangers. bangers don't listen to him. Right. No. You know who do? White kids in the suburbs. Yes, and they're going to buy that album. And they love it. And he be talking all loud and crazy and says nigga every other word. And he's Mexican and he's from New York. It's like, oh my God, it's the best. Right? So it's like, it's perfect. And the streets aren't playing Takashi 6ix9ine. That's not who's putting money in his pocket. So he doesn't have to cater to them. To his audience, he's the man. For him to troll, as yes. they call it, and have a piece of cheese in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that guy got big balls. Dude, it's like, and it's like, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just crazy. But it's, it's a sign of the times. Because in the 90s, that would never oh, happen. Oh, no, never, no, no. never, never. That would have never happened. He would never have a career. Nope. It would be done. And he, he, he'd probably been hurt. You know what I mean? I'm, you know, yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely a sign of the times have changed. Yeah, I mean, everybody nowadays is uh, putting everything on Instagram, too. Like, th those attacks those guys did, they did it for views, man. Oh, of course. It, it's, it's a damn shame. Hey, man, look, people want clout to be famous. I tell you, the biggest drug in the world is attention. Attention, attention, attention. It's 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 surpassed money and everything. Because if you have attention, you can get anything that you want. All you need is attention. So do you, do you think uh, guys will eventually in the next couple of years be working with Six Nine? Oh, of course, they're working with him now. Drake is it? Didn't they just buy um, Jay Z? He just signed with Jay Z. Nah, that's what the rumor is. I don't. Oh, know. I don't know. That's what they were saying. I don't, I, so. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that, but I do believe other rappers are gonna work oh. with him. Like, because if he's, put it like this, if you get $50,000 to do a verse with MC Get Busy, and you get 250000 to do a verse with 6 9 Alright, so the question is, would you work with 6 9 um, 
Here's what I would say. I think to get into his mind as to why he's made the decisions that he did, because here's, here's my thing. If you, if you decide you're going to do something to be rich and famous, if you're going to sell your soul, you got to fucking rock with it. You can't be like, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Devil, Satan, give me my, give me my soul back. Give me my soul back. I didn't, I didn't know that's what that meant. I didn't read the fine print, right? It's like, like it, he, he made a conscious decision to use the gang culture yes. to make a career. Then it got real. And it wasn't as if he was just putting it out there and then behind the scenes he wasn't doing nothing. He was posting himself, trying to put hits on people, doing all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, make it being a, a, a mob boss, essentially. Then it comes down and you're like... <laughs> and so, to me, it... It, and I'm from a different generation, so I could probably be educated on how that's different. And I know I've heard from people, well, people were, you know, they were going to kill him. I, I heard they were going to kidnap his baby mom or they had sex with her, whatever that is. Right. I get it. And it's it, it sucks. But he put himself in a really bad position. But what I will say for him to be as young as he is, he's really smart in how he understands the way the mm -hmm. world works because he knew he needed to use the gangster image to build itself. Then he also knew that he could flip it and troll and still get money as long as as long as he gets he beats this this case, which he was able to do. It's it's like it, it it's almost amazing. I just don't adhere to that because that's what my mama said don't you don't join the gang right my mama used to say you go to sleep with dogs you wake up with fleas uh. you can't be mad about it then you know it's like you made your bed you got to lay in it but you know at the same time i wasn't in his shoes or anything so i don't know you know what that was but just from my perspective and what i've and what i'm where i came from and how i was raised it's just a little it's just a little different well six nine didn't just involve himself he involved his family uh, yeah, he put his family in a position. Um, he did make a compelling case about why he snitched. Mm -hmm. um, I don't agree with it because I know what the kind of life he's in. He, he got involved in it. He should have. You, you take the consequences. But um, he was being really selfish because he put his family in line. He put his family involved in this. Yeah, but it, it was. Listen, of course we don't condone it, but at the same time. Everybody had a had a little bit to do with it. The guys oh, that were in the gang, right. bringing him in, doing all that stuff. It, it almost kind of reminds me of uh, Suge Knight and Tupac. Because hmm. Tupac wasn't a L.A. gang member. Mm -mm. He wasn't a gangster. He came here. He did a little bit of 6 9 started believing his music, started believing he's a gangster, started getting caught up in that street life. And we all saw how that turned out, man. It, it, it usually turns out one or two ways. It, very rarely do you get to retire. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you get to retire from that life, shit, that's you. There we go. Right. <laughs> like, like, you did it. We're lucky. Ex oh, because if you it's it's really hard, especially. And again, you know, that kind of uh, power. It's like Pac's power at that time was so big. Yes. Like he could have he could have really done anything he wanted to do. Like if he said if he put on a record, I want. 
every cholo in LA and every crip and blood to meet me at this part. Like he had had a hundred, two hundred thousand people like coming down. His his power uh, superseded ethnicity. Like I know Mexican dudes that loved him to the core. Like that's their dude and their sureño. Right. Dresses, you know? yeah. That would have been a meeting like in the Warriors movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you hear me? <laughs> right. He had he had that kind of he had oh. that 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 kind of power respect. and respect. And it's hard not to get because you're a man. It's hard not to get drunk. When was it. the first time you ever met Tupac? I was uh, 11. It was my sister's birthday party. How was he? <laughs> just like you would imagine. Like I'm gonna just say like certain people are who they are like i can say so like will my brother-in-law the way you think he is that's exactly who he is like you will meet him and he will be that guy and you'll be like oh my god he's the greatest i love him charismatic absolutely (laughs) absolutely all of that and Pac was the same way but just thug style you know what i mean and it was it was love like he greeted me exactly the way i would imagine so my sister i'm there at the party and he comes in and i'm like oh and Jada was like, oh, you haven't met Pac? And I'm like, no. And she goes, Pac, you know, come over here. I, need you. I want you to meet my brother. And he goes, your brother? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, oh, shit. What's up, little nigga? You know what I'm saying? He grabbed me, and I was like, oh. I was like, ah. I was like, I'm like, yes, that's exactly how he should address me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it was like it was it was it was a great experience because at the time he was like, oh man, like this is Tupac, you know what I mean? And it uh it was it was it was a great experience for me. I definitely say that it's something I'll never forget. Who are some of the people that you've met throughout your career now that you just kind of look back and say, wow? Oh, okay. That I say wow is absolutely Barack Obama, I had the pleasure of meeting him before he was even really yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I I met Nelson Mandela. I was blessed to be able to meet him before he passed away. Um, who else? Like big people like in that. Um, well, I can. I, I met Bill Clinton. I met Bill Clinton and Barack Obama the same day. You're meeting presidents, Caleb. Yeah, I did. I did. I got to, you know, because these are people that like, you know, have that have impacted and affected the world in different ways. It's usually through entertainment. We'll see somebody. But for somebody to be able to drop a nuke, that's a different type of influence. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So so I've, I've, I've had I've had those, you know, meetings. But I met, you know, there's a lot, a lot of famous people that I've, you know, been able to, 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 to meet. And a lot of them are great people, some less than others. You know what I mean? I won't mention any names, but. Some got attitude. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's some people, you know, you can't look at them in their eye or. Really? What? Really? <laughs> really? You know what I mean? So those stories are true, huh? Yeah, there's there's things that are certain people that have those weird, you know, things with them. You know, have to be covered up. You can't look at them. You know, all you know. They just live in a different world. Yeah, yeah, very much so. But a lot of people are really down to earth. I met a lot of big, big art um, actors, and like Tom Cruise is one of the coolest guys ever. That's uh, like. Really? It's really? never forget you always remembers your name and always gives you like 
that one-on-one respect and and feel right. and he's he's my guy so one of my favorite movies of all time is top gun right as a kid i wanted to be a, i wanted to be a fucking fighter pilot you know what i mean i wanted to do all that and it so i know that movie backwards and forth and even till this day when i see tom I can pick any scene in the movie and just start saying lines and he runs them with me. Like nothing. I swear. I'm dead. Like, like it's, it's the greatest thing ever. Like, yeah. So I'll definitely give Tom his respect. He is a, he is a good dude. I really love that man. All right. Now, if Will Smith gets up to set with you because of some business aspect, mm-hmm. does your sister protect you? Hell no. Or jump against you? <laughs> No, 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 no. Jada, Jada, she'll stay out of it. Or she'll be like, what he do? I need to know. He ain't messing this up, is he? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but. Yeah, because she's your older sister. No, oh, yeah. They look out for you, but oh, yeah. sometimes they'll turn on you. Oh, quick. but she's like, no, no, no. I need to know what happened first. What happened? Oh, okay. You know what I mean? But yeah, they, and you know, and they're both uh, protective of me, but they, they don't, you know, they'll, how, how those guys from, um, Hoover check those dudes, they will take me and personally check me if there's any <laughs> if there's any issues. Now I heard uh Will Smith doesn't curse. Um, not, true. not in music. No, not in music. But because of the grandmother, he made a promise. Absolutely. To grandma, right? Yep. Oh, but that's true? Yes, that's very true. But he himself <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't curse like a lot a lot, but he cusses. Like it's not like, you know. Yeah. So, um Talk to me about the, I think you just got a new show going on HBO. Is that the one with Meek Mill? Oh, yeah. They, so HBO Max bought our movie, Charm City Kings. And it has, uh, yeah, Meek Mill is in it and stuff. And it's, a, it's, it's about the illegal dirt bike riders in Baltimore. You new to Baltimore. You gotta go to the ride. The ride? You don't know nothing, do you? The ride. Every Sunday in the summer, everybody with a bike show out. As bike as far as you can see. Pull the bike back. A wheel. Stick straight up. So it look like the hands of a clock when they hit midnight. So like in Baltimore, that's where my father's uh, side of the family's from. Um, it's dirt bike culture is everything. Dirt bikes in Baltimore are like money, right? So when a kid comes up and gets money, out here in LA, we want a Regal, yeah. some Dayton's <laughs> and some shit right. with some beat. They want a dirt bike, right? Oh, wow. Dirt bike is a different thing. It's and it's synonymous with LA low riding culture, meaning it's status symbol. Right. You roll up on a brand new dirt bike and you'll change, put different color rims on it, different stuff. That's like, oh shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> out there to them, this and and so because of because of growing up out here, I know the low riding culture. I, I understand that. You know, we used to go to cruising night up at Club Metro in Rubido and then at um, um, Magnolia in Riverside. That used to be the thing. And, you know, you would see all of those, you know, the cars and stuff. And it's similar to that way in Baltimore with dirt bikes. They come out, they all ride in the street. It's like a big thing. And the same way the police crack down on low riders, that's how they do in Baltimore. So it's a part of their culture. So our movie is about a kid who wants to be part of the local uh, dirt bike crew, but realizes that, oh, wait a minute, they do more than just ride dirt bikes. Oh yeah, <laughs> like these are gangsters you're dealing with. And you know, and on the East Coast, in Baltimore specifically, it's changed now the way the East Coast has been, but traditionally the East Coast didn't have, there wasn't no bloods and crips and stuff. It, everything was blocked based. So you lived on this block. So we're, you know, we're on, you know, 85th 
street and they are facts. We're the 85th boys. 86 and 87 is somebody else's shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there could be a problem, right? Unless we figure out a deal structure. But on this block, anything that comes here, that's my money, right? So it was very territorial and smaller versus LA was more widespread and gangs had territory. It was less that way in Baltimore. You just had certain areas, you know what I mean? And so, um, this crew, they're not, they're not like bloods or crips or nothing. They're just dirt bike riders that sell, that sell drugs. Because the thing in Baltimore is the police have a no chase policy. Meaning if you're riding a dirt bike, they can't chase you. But what they do is they have cameras set up where they take your picture. I've even been told they tase people to knock you off the bike and then get you, you know, all types of shit, which I'm sure they do. But the, um, the thing is they don't, they don't, um, they can't, they can't chase you. So because of that, if you can't chase me and I can get from here to here on a dirt bike very quickly, what if I put some work back here? Right. What if I put a little bit of this? Oh, could I take 10 grand and drop it off? Yeah, because the police aren't going to stop me. Yeah. Perfect. Now, so a lot of illegal activity was done that way based off of a, a law that the police made. So our movie deals with a lot of that where this crew is using kids to ride dirt bikes to go through the street with backpacks dropping off, you know, and moving it. And, you know, it ended up changing the course of three young boys' lives forever, their decision that they made that summer, you know. So it's pretty cool. No, did did uh, Meek Mill have to take any classes for that to act? No, no, because surprisingly, the character is exactly pretty much him. It's a dude who is from the street that went to jail and decides he wants to be different. Yeah. So I said, "There you go. It's perfect. Did just, just be, just be you in, who, in who, front of the camera." Who approached you with that? Uh, with that uh, story? Well, so we we there was a documentary. Um, that, that, that we saw, um, that we acquired the rights to called the 12 o'clock boys. That was a documentary about it. And so we were trying to figure out, a, a, a narrative basically, like, how do you make a movie out of it? Cause the documentary wasn't a movie. It's right. just, you know, so you had to create a beginning, middle and end and characters, you know, with arcs and all that shit. So we, we just for years just worked on a story, worked on a story till we finally got it. And then I had already talked to Meek about it. I wanted Meek. He said he was in. And then he goes to jail. And, we're oh, about to, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh no, right? He goes to jail right when the movie's starting to pick up steam, like uh. to be able to get made. And, you know, and it was, it was meant to be because he got out of jail a month and a half before we started shooting. I seem to hear that a lot. A lot of people, they get them, they want to bring them in from the streets and they get them in and then they land up in jail. Mm-hmm. Finish what they started. So yeah. is that is that movie completed or not? Already? Oh yeah, yeah, it's completed. Um, HBO Max bought it, so they're gonna release it. I think at the end of the summer. I'm thinking like September, October, because what they're doing is they they launch on the 27th, and then every month they're gonna release like a show or. A it's movie. gonna be a series. No, it's a movie. It's a, it's the trailer looks great, man. Yeah, oh, that thing looks hot. Thank you. Yeah, we worked we worked our asses off on that, you know, and um, yeah, it was good, and I you know um. Uh, the, the, the director Angel, um, he's a Puerto Rican, Puerto Ricano. That's me, hermano. <laughs> yeah, see, and um, he 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 directed the shit out the movie, and we you know we did it. So what what else are you working on right now? Oh man, I got a lot of stuff. I just got I just came up with this idea. I want to do this project um, where we tackle we do a little bit of L.A. gang culture, right? 
So I made up a fictitious neighborhood, but it's 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 a Mexican neighborhood. But they're they're called the gang is called uh, Los Noales, but the Noales are really Noales. Like they're from the Mesoamerica, like this whole mythology we we we, we created where these guys are you think that they're a gang but they're really these supernatural beings that that are coming down in LA preparing for this battle and the, this, there's there's a detective that Mexican American that doesn't want to speak Spanish doesn't speak Spanish and has no desire to he took the z out of his name put a s that guy <laughs> right and he comes across this murder where it looks like this this man killed a 17-year-old chola but she was a Noale, so he sees a naked girl dead, and he's like, no, 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 no. And the dude that killed her, he's, he's, he's illegal. He only speaks Spanish, and he's trying to say, you know, she, she was a Noale, and this starts the process of unraveling, and basically this detective has to dive into the culture he rejected in order to solve this mystery. So he changed his name from the S back to the Z. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's one of my things that I'm working on. I, I love blending cultures and I like things that are like, I like street. I like street dramas. I like, I like, cause that's reality. It's, it's like, like honest. And then I like figuring out a way to put a slight twist on it. Something that's where it's like, oh, that's dope. That's I like that. I like that. But I like things rooted in history. So I looked a lot through uh, Mesoamerican um, mythology and stuff like that, and I, I really liked the Noales story. And I was like, well, what if we did the And I just started creating, and um, I got a writing partner on it, and we're, we're, we're moving. That's right, brother. Well, Caleb, I mean, uh, I just want to tell you, you know, thank you so much for coming on our platform, man. Uh, oh, it's it, my pleasure. It, it, it's been a pleasure. Uh, anything else you want to say, brother? The, the mic's yours. No. You can come again. Hey, I, listen, I love to. And I just want to say, you know, I, I hope these issues and the tensions can be reached and come to an agreement between the two communities, the black and the Mexican communities in L.A. I hope the leaders on both sides step up to continue to bridge the peace and get the young boys to pay attention to where we're not destroying ourselves for no reason or for something as, as, as whimsical as clout and attention. You know, it's not going to last. None of that stuff is worth anything to destroy your life or destroy somebody else's.